This episode of News Dump is brought to you by Omaha Steaks and Stamps.com. All right, Elliot. It's the first weekend of December. Fine. Are people okay. officially allowed to start enjoying the holiday season yeah, yet? Yeah, it's fine. It's December. Well, here you go. There you go. We got these for you. Okay. You can put those on and we can all be in the spirit. Um, yeah, yeah, we do have a... <laughs> you look great. A few holiday stories to start off this week's episode of News Dump. Um, a few of them involving the Grinch. Mm. The term Grinch has pretty much become a catch-all for bad holiday behavior or attitude over the years. It's basically the Christmas Karen. Um, everyone hates the Grinch. And I think sometimes for not the right reasons. But Even the uh, Grinch hates the Grinch. It's a very uh, miserable person. As you're all aware, here in America, we do things... A little bit different. A little bit different. Because we're insane. We're literally insane over here. So every year, cops make fake arrests of the Grinch in an attempt to save Christmas. And that is in spite of the fact that the actual story is about the Grinch literally experiencing emotional growth, realizing what he's doing is wrong, and then redeeming himself uh, and becoming friendly with the townspeople. And it's also a story about how Christmas isn't about goods yeah. and toys and all that. It's about the spirit of coming together and celebrating. Something that America fucking hates. Well, people would know what the story was about if they hadn't banned Dr. Seuss. That's... <laughs> yeah, that's that's why. <laughs> you they, can't read it anymore. It's gone. This is actually uh, the right going one step further and arresting a character from Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Well, you see, this is the slippery slope they were talking about. If people had access to Dr. Seuss's books, and I'm, I'm assuming they just simply don't. I'm assuming all Dr. Seuss books have been uh, burned in a giant bonfire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my understanding of the situation. And so, now the dang cops are arresting the Grinch. Yeah, this is what happens. Uh, but no, this is actually just like, like, hey, look, we're cops. We're fun, right? Yeah. Let's, let's arrest the Grinch in front of children. Facebook is like one of the worst things to happen to American policing. Every fucking week, some police department in the U.S. is like, Hey, free, uh, did you lose this uh, baggie of drugs? If so, <laughs> lost and found, come on down and get it. And it's, and like, local news, they were, <laughs> but it's that same story pops up every week. It's like, all right, we, well, and it's also good just like, we like it. we're having fun with the kids, right? The kids who are now being uh, shown that arrests are not only a completely normal thing that happen all the time, mm. that, but even, even characters from your favorite, uh, uh, Christmas movies and books are also going to be arrested by the police. Yeah. And by the way, they killed the Grinch afterwards. Yeah. The, the, he died in police custody. All the Who's down in Whoville, they wouldn't have had to worry about the Grinch stealing Christmas if they lived in America. Exactly. And uh, exercised their Second Amendment rights. Oh, and we'll get to that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, this year is no different when it comes to copaganda about, <laughs> yeah. about Grinches getting arrested. There's plenty of Grinch arrests happening all around the country, but what's even more insane and so perfectly American might be the attempt at marketing that was recently deployed by a sheriff's office in Colorado, which shows Santa Claus, jolly old Saint Nick, applying for and receiving his concealed carry permit <laughs> so that he is free to carry his gun while delivering presents to children across the world. Uh, Ain't that America? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the tweet and Facebook post sent out by the El Paso County Sheriff's Office reads as follows. Guess who came in to receive his concealed handgun permit today? <laughs> Santa! Did you know the El Paso County Sheriff's Office has issued 49,750 concealed <laughs> handgun permits with another 2,560 awaiting to be issued? Oh, wow. That just puts me right in the holiday spirit. Yeah, and, it really buried the lead there. Like, yeah. uh, hey, here's Santa Claus. But also, by the way, we've issued 50,000. Just concealed. one of many. Yeah. And yeah, the post had a photo attached uh, of jolly old St. Nick 
looking just absolutely thrilled to finally be able to protect himself on the busiest <laughs> night of the year by keeping a loaded firearm inside his bag or in the love glove compartment of his his sleigh. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, kids. Uh, if you've been bad, we're all out of coal. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Biden's supply chain issues mean coal is off the menu. But you know what's on the menu? Lit. Yes. And also, like when you think of, uh, you know, Santa's toy bag, you think of like a comically large yeah. sack yeah. full of toys and stuff. Uh, in the photo, there's a very small handgun-sized sack on the table. And I don't know if that's like actually it or what it's supposed to be, but there is a little, there's a little green sack on the table. And it's like, I love to think that he's just like, thanks. And is literally carrying a loaded firearm around in a tiny gun-sized sack. I mean, most of these mall Santas, it's just a, a job, but uh, there's a small percentage of them who take uh, the role of Santa very seriously and like they, they sort of live their lives as Santa. So yes, if, if you were uh, living your life as Santa Claus, you wouldn't keep your gun in just any old case. You'd no, keep it in yeah. a jolly green Santa Claus and it would be candy bag. cane colored. Yeah. Uh, actually, on uh, Nathan for you, he meets a Santa Claus who does exercise his Second Amendment rights. Yeah, that, <laughs> so this is not abnormal, honestly. Yeah. But yes, of course, this post was done as a joke. But it's just a perfect representation of how our country fetishizes gun ownership. And it's also just plain weird to have someone who represents joy and hope and good tidings as someone who also feels the need to be armed and ready to kill at a moment's notice. Yeah, the the gun companies are not allowed to make like TV advertisements in this country, but I sometimes kind of wish they did just to see what they would come yeah, up with. Yeah, no, it would be psychotic. <laughs> is that just the, out of morbid curiosity? Is that the jingle jangle of reindeer on my roof? Yeah. No, it's actually Santa who's packing heat and has bullets clanging around inside of his sack. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to be fair, if you were breaking into millions of homes at night, uh, you might actually run into some trouble. You want to be strapped. Yeah, especially, yeah. like, the, the people, the, the Let's Go Brandon giant diesel truck people are definitely the type that would shoot Santa on sight for breaking into their house. Yeah, it would be tragic if that were to occur. Uh, but, yeah, people, they had a clear problem with this because it was a stupid fucking post. Uh, I mean, look at the goddamn country. Read the room. Yeah, there was literally a uh, horrific school shooting just days ago. I, yeah. know, I know we're all numb to it, but, uh, yeah. It definitely happened. Uh, and, and the last thing that children should have to worry about is Santa packing heat. Uh, the sheriff's office, they kept the post up, but they issued a statement shortly after which read... EPSO intended to highlight our staff in the Concealed Handgun Permit Office, not to be insensitive. Santa correlates to the month of December, and we thought he would help to recognize our hardworking staff. The only way this could have been better is if it was Jesus applying for a concealed carry permit. You know, Jesus would still be with us today. That damn it, Judas. If instead of living in, over in Italy, yeah. he lived here in America. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. America does have some things... Going for it, uh, capitalism, it does have some uh, positives uh, because now you can live in the Grinch's cave, Elliot. That is our next story, and it's a little more positive than Santa shooting people. Yeah, so back to the Grinch now, and uh, look at the slightly less insane side of the holiday season. You can now stay inside the Grinch's home during the holiday season if that's something that interests you. Mm -hmm. All you calling all Grinch heads, 
I mean, yeah, if you are a person who just wants to be secluded from society and stay comfortably, it's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I mean, he's got a great hilltop view mm-hmm. of the town. Yeah. Uh, that's prime real estate where yes. the Grinch lives. Mm-hmm. So the 5,700-square-foot cave lo- <laughs> located outside Boulder, Utah, it's honestly quite impressive and very cozy looking. And in honor of the year of the book's initial release, the cave rental is available for just $19.57 per night. Yeah, next year they're going to be uh, honoring the year that the book was burned. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be $20.21 a night. Yeah. So get it while it's cheap. So yeah, this literally looks like something that was designed by Universal for Grinchmas. There's definitely a lot of work that went into it, but you are staying in a cave. So it's not like you have rides and entertainment outside of just staying in what is basically just a themed Airbnb carved into the side of a mountain. Though the the natural beauty is probably pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, Here's a local ABC affiliate with more. Designers have brought the classic Dr. Seuss story to life by constructing the Grinch's rocky residence within a hand-carved cave on the side of a massive stone mountain where holiday enthusiasts, for the first time, will be able to experience the Grinch and his dog Max's home like never before. The kitchen will be stocked with roastable beast, hoo pudding, and an emergency stash of hoo hash. Whoa! <laughs> hey, toke up! It is uh, Colorado? <laughs> No, no, this is Utah, so I don't oh, think that that's legal. Damn. Yeah. You will be arrested. <laughs> Just like the real Just Grinch. Just like the real Grinch. Uh, the music room will feature the Grinch's organ alongside Max's drum set leading into the study, main bedroom, guest bedroom, and more. The nostalgic, impermanent house will also be loaded with all of the Grinch's gadgets. His over-the-top coffee machine, armoire with green furry pants, and all the kitchen supplies one would need to host a festive feast. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So apparently these types of rentals are all the rage right now because the house from Home Alone is also available to rent this Christmas, but it's actually just a huge mansion outside of Chicago. Uh, when you my, can stay in a mansion. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's uh, it's outside of Chicago. I drove past it when I was a little kid. I wasn't driving, but my family, we visited Chicago. Why do you let Elliot drive? It's we, Christmas We visited all. Chicago where my dad's originally from when <laughs> yeah. I was a kid, and... Uh, yeah, we, we kind of like accidentally, like we ended up in a neighborhood that like sort of looked like it. And then we yeah. we saw it because they, they had a little cardboard cutout of Kevin McAllister oh my God. in the window. That's amazing. And it was awesome. It was like the first time I'd seen something from a movie in real life. And that was like my favorite movie at the time. So I mean, it's yeah. huge though too, right? But in real life? Yeah, it's a big house. It's yeah. a very nice neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kevin McAllister, middle class family. I don't think so. Well, Elliot, it was the late <laughs> 80s, early 90s. Uh, John Hughes, all, all all of John Hughes' movies, it's like, uh, you don't realize until you're an adult, but like, oh, all these kids are like fucking loaded. Extremely wealthy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so the Home Alone House, it's just another promo type deal. So the cost is just $25 for the night. You just have to be the first person to get it, which will almost certainly be some bot that resells it for $2,500 a night. Yeah. This would be cool, though, if uh, they actually sent two people to try to break into the house. So there is, so with the whole <laughs> promotional event thing, you there's going to be, I'm using this word very loosely because I'm sure they are too, booby traps inside the house that you can set along with a screening and shit like that. But what's cool about this is that unlike a lot of other uh, film productions, Parts of the interior of this house were actually used in the movie. Yeah. Typically, uh, this shit happens on a soundstage and it's just the exterior. I think it's like the kitchen and some other stuff was actually used in the movie. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, the basement of the house, 
was actually a pool at the local high school. So when it floods, they just filled up the pool at the high school. There's a great episode of the Netflix show, The Movies That Made Us. Yeah, or something it talks about that. About yeah. it. Yeah, very cool. That show's editing really drives me nuts. But it, yeah, uh, the information is fun. It's fucking junk food, but it's uh, pretty interesting it's stuff. It's like, yeah, it, the, that show and The Toys That Made Us. Yeah. Uh, it's very much, uh, hey, you know what kids like? YouTube. Let's mm-hmm. make actual documentaries like YouTube videos. Yeah. But speaking of staying elsewhere for Christmas, while a mansion in a Chicago suburb or a decked out cave might be interesting to someone out there, snowstorms might force you to have a sleepover in another location that you never thought possible. Now, earlier this week, we covered the story about dozens of people and an Oasis cover band getting trapped inside of a British pub and having to camp out there for multiple days before the weather cleared up and snow plows could allow them to escape. But a pub in the UK wasn't the only abnormal place that people got trapped during recent snowstorms because another group of people in northern Denmark were recently stuck inside of an Ikea where they had to camp out and stay the night. At least it's roomy. Exactly. Now this is, once again, this is another just best case scenario. fully stocked with delicious meatballs. Exactly. It's arguably better than a British pub because with a pub you get like the pub food and you get beer. Yeah. Um, but get, they, and if they have champagne, maybe even a champagne supernova <laughs> in the sky. Uh, but uh, while some people apparently did sleep in like vans outside of the pub, the people that had to sleep in the pub were like in sleeping bags on the ground. Yeah. Ikea, they got everything. They need. They got everything you need to survive. They got beds. Swedish yeah. meatballs and beds and couches, but lots of beds. Yeah. Here's the Washington Post. 12 inches of heavy, wet snow piled high Wednesday night in northern Denmark, coating roadways, grounding flights, and halting train lines. As the flakes fell, a group of shoppers and employees still inside an Ikea in the city of Aalborg soon suspected they may not make it home. They were right. Six customers, about two dozen employees, and a handful of workers from a neighboring toy shop hunkered down in the Swedish furniture store for the night. They made the best of an unusual scenario, Michelle Barrett, one of the toy store employees, told public radio broadcaster DR. Quote, we just laughed at the situation because we will probably not experience it again, Barrett said. Store manager Peter Elmos told Elkstra Bladet, a Danish tabloid newspaper, that he encouraged everyone to pick the exact bed they always have wanted to try. <laughs> that evening, they watched television and enjoyed stuffed pork, hot cocoa, and Rizalmande, a Danish rice pudding served during Christmas time, according to DR. As everyone tucked themselves into bed, Elmos said he strolled around the floors singing goodnight songs. <laughs> In the morning, they had hot coffee and freshly baked cinnamon rolls. Eric Bongsgaard, one of the stranded customers, said he was impressed with the service the staff provided. It was fantastic considering the circumstances, he told Elkstra Bloodette. Again. It sounds like the best case scenario, yeah. Exactly. Like, I, look, I, deep down, I understand that Americans would probably take this better than I would assume. But imagine getting stuck inside a Walmart yeah. Uh, during a snowstorm. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine that the employees and management would be as warm uh, to people. No. Um, but I could be wrong. We could be wrong. But I feel like they would just, like, it would be like, all right, black coffee and cots. Yeah. And here's some uh, aluminum foil. Wrap yourself up in that. It'll keep you warm. Don't open anything from the sporting goods section. Yeah, we will be patting all of you down. Yes, that would be considered stealing. Loss prevention is still on duty. But uh, if I if I am gonna get trapped in a snowstorm, I hope it's in uh, Europe somewhere, somewhere like fun. You imagine being in Germany and it's like, oh no, you're trapped inside of an actual gingerbread house. Oh, what are you gonna geez. do? Oh, and there's mold wine. <laughs> oh no! Everyone's singing carols. Oh, what a terrible experience. 
Anyways, uh, in a follow-up to another holiday story we covered recently, uh, it looks like Netflix is turning the tale of a mistaken text message, which led to a recurring Thanksgiving dinner invite, into a movie. Um, it's become a tradition. A uh, text to the wrong number about an invite to Thanksgiving dinner ended with a friendship between a grandmother and a then-high schooler named Jamal Hinton. Now it's getting turned into a Netflix movie. Uh, here's Variety with more. The Thanksgiving text will recount the true tale that began in 2016 when Wanda Dench thought she was texting her grandson to check if he would be coming over for Turkey Day. Apparently, she had the wrong cell phone number. She actually texted Jamal Hinton, a high school senior at the time, who accepted her invitation anyway and has attended her feast every year since. Dench and Hinton have expressed support and excitement for the upcoming film. Quote, we are excited to share our story with the world. We hope it inspires more people to reach out and make connections that they wouldn't ordinarily make. We are so blessed to find a genuine friendship brought together by God from a mistaken text message. And, okay, I'm glad God was looking out for that text message. Is this a documentary or a narrative? It, it seems like it's going to be like a hokey Hallmark-style movie. Yeah, this sounds like something for the Hallmark channel. Exactly. But, like, look, everyone's asking for more buffer between Halloween and Christmas. Yeah. So now there's going to be another Thanksgiving movie that you can watch to fill the void. Yeah. Uh, something that uh, something for the people that think planes, trains, and automobiles is a bit too blue. Yeah. Wow, that's Steve Martin. Sir seems angry. It's just the one scene with the f bombs. Yes. But yes. But yeah, it's. Uh, well, he, he also wipes his face with dirty underwear. Yeah. But it's uh, it's it's a classic Grinch tale. Uh, Steve Martin plays a, a Grinchy character. Yes. And uh, John Goodman, or not John, <laughs> John Candy, yeah. uh, gets him to uh, accept and the true meaning of Thanksgiving. That's another movie where, in a long line of uh, lots of movies from my childhood, where watching it with grown adult eyes, you're like, I mean, I really sympathize with Steve Martin. Yeah. All of these things. No, the whole situation <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And. But he's making John it worse. John Candy is. A, Look, he's a good person at heart, but he does fuck up a lot. Yeah, he's extremely annoying. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, Steve Martin, he's, he's too grumpy. He's not, he's not accepting uh, the situation he's in and adapting to it. He's just being mad for no reason. <laughs> and John Candy does pull a little, uh, couple of not-so-nice things there. Yeah, but, but uh, still the best Thanksgiving movie. I don't think this is going to dethrone <laughs> it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, all right, I'm we're done with holiday stuff. It. We can take off the... Uh, all right. Yeah, there you go. Ho, ho, Because we're ho. talking about rust in a second, and we shouldn't be worrying oh, about what Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we do have more news for you coming up in a second, but let's take a quick break first. Thank today's sponsors. And since we're talking about a feast, let's start with Omaha Steaks. We've both been getting shipments of Omaha Steaks for years now, and it's such a great feeling because not only do you get a bunch of delicious meats to cook, their sides and desserts are incredible. The holidays are obviously right around the corner, and finding the perfect gift is tricky, but Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Honey, look, there's a big box of meat on our doorstep. Somebody must really love us. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. I would be thrilled yeah. to receive this. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter News Dump into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees, like the world-famous bacon-wrapped filet mignon, mm. chicken breasts, mm. sides, desserts, and so much more. Mm. Mm. When you mm. use code NEWSDUMP, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. Wow. Eight burgers. That's eight for you. Or one each for eight friends. Yeah. There you you make go. a really tall, comically tall burger. Yes. For just one for yourself. Yeah, and it's a bonus. It's like you didn't even mean to get this. It's just a bonus for using yeah. our code. And now you can make something comically large. Yeah, Everyone's like, going to love it. like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. 
Uh, now, we've all heard the news about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com, and you'll get eight free burgers to do with as you please. Yeah. And that's if you enter our code NEWSDUMP. Achieving, achieving gift greatness is easy with Omaha Steaks. It's incredible flavor, it's an incredible value, and it's 100% guaranteed. So go to omahasteaks.com, use keyword NEWSDUMP. It's in the search bar. Yeah. It's a click into the search bar, you start typing NEWSDUMP, you'll see it pop up because someone was like, went to a link and didn't work right, but that's to explain Those it. are your instructions. There you go. This episode is also sponsored by Stamps.com. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of using Stamps.com, it's like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. You're just going up a couple floors, sure, you take the stairs. You could use the exercise. Walking up 30 flights a day, okay, I need a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, Stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code NEWSDUMP for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale to do with as you please. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter that code NEWSDUMP to get our deal. All right, back to the news now with an update on the Rust shooting that took place back in October, resulting in the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Now, typically, as time goes on and investigations and interviews are conducted, the general public will know more about what exactly happened during an incident like this. But, yeah. but somehow, things keep getting more and more strange regarding what really happened on the set of this film. It's it's almost feels like we know less now than we did in the immediate aftermath. Yes, the waters have been muddied many times now. Yeah, so now it is being alleged that actually, uh, I guess Alec Baldwin didn't pull the trigger of the gun that fired the shot that killed the film cinematographer at all. There was He, he did not pull the trigger, and that's according to both his recent statements as well as statements from an attorney representing the film's assistant director, David Halls. Yeah, it's it's confusing. Yeah. Uh, here's the latest from Deadline. ABC News on Wednesday released a teaser of George Stephanopoulos' interview of the actor in which he said that he didn't pull the trigger. On Good Morning America, Halls' attorney, Lisa Taraco, said, Davis told me since the very first day I met him that Alec did not pull that trigger. His finger was never in the trigger guard. What's unclear is how the gun discharged and yes. why it included <laughs> a live round. Mm -hmm. Baldwin told Stephanopoulos that he had no idea how the ammunition got on the set. Quote, someone put a live bullet in a gun, a bullet that wasn't even supposed to be on the property, Baldwin said in the clip. The Santa Fe County Sheriff is continuing an investigation into the incident, which occurred during a dress rehearsal on the New Mexico set on October 21st. Taraco would not say whether it was Halls who handed the gun to Baldwin, but said that her client called it a, quote, freak awful accident, and she said that she would be shocked if criminal charges are filed against him. So that's even like, they're saying that his finger didn't even enter the, yeah. the area needed to pull but, the trigger. Which which I'm assuming they, I'm assuming they're trying to say that, 
you know, the gun was cocked and then somehow the yeah. it, it went off on its own. That's the only way if you if you're not pulling a trigger on a revolver, it would have to be the, like broken in a way that the it, hammer somehow. I don't know. Still, it's, the bullet shouldn't have been in there, but still, yeah. that, I guess, is what they're trying to say. That way, no one is at fault, except for somewhere down the line, whoever, yeah. uh, in this scenario, put it in there potentially on purpose, because that's also been another thing that was conspiratorial about this immediately yeah. after the fact. There's also uh, that the armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, mm-hmm. her PR team is spinning a pretty wild tale about how like the bullet ended up on the set from the previous production that filmed there, I it's, this is a I bunch don't of people, fucking know. This is a bunch of people coordinated or not trying to just absolve guilt. Yeah, and yeah, and it's making it confusing for what actually happened. Yes, but there's a whole lot of witnesses, and when this actually goes to trial, there's going to be a whole lot of people that'll probably, you would hope. Well, it can't go to trial unless there's a suspect. Yeah, or, uh, or like files charged, but that, I mean they're still investigating. Yeah, so. I mean the civil suits will probably reveal a lot, but yeah, we basically we know less now than we did when it started. Uh, it's all uh, very confusing. Yeah, basically a bullet magically uh, killed someone, and uh, and nobody knows how it got yeah, there or ma- how it ended magic up is real. Firing out of wow, the wow, what a horrible way to find out. That magic is real. Yeah. Um, But let's move over to another story that we covered uh, recently. The technologically inept governor of Missouri, Mike Parson, who instead of praising a cybersecurity expert and the local newspaper for exposing a large breach of privacy on a local government website, decided mm, to go on the offensive and uh, label them as hackers who were trying to infiltrate government websites. Uh, Now, in case you've forgotten about the story somehow, uh, a Department of Education website contained, oops, the social security numbers of its staff in the source code of the site. Inspect, right click, inspect. All you had to do was view the source and you would have access to it. That is not hacking. Mm. The cyber expert worked with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and the news org, they just reached out to the local government to give them a heads up about the problem so they could fix it before the story ran. It was nice of them to do that. Yeah. Uh, That's when the governor not only called the whole thing hacking, but even released a very slick video to paint the post-dispatch in an extremely negative light. Uh, Here's a clip from that video. Latest from the Missouri's fake news factory is from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, where a reporter has been digging around HTML code on a state website. The state technology division said the hacker took the records of at least three educators, decoded the HTML source code, and viewed the social security numbers of teachers from a state website. Governor Parson believes everyone is entitled to their privacy, especially our teachers. Governor Parson is standing up to the fake news media and is committed to bring to justice anyone who obtained private information. Wow, what an asshole. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now it turns out that Missouri officials were actually going to publicly thank the journalist who worked on the story before the governor got wind of it and yep. decided to get involved in his own special way. Uh, here's Ars Technica with more about that. Missouri state government officials planned to publicly thank a journalist who discovered a security flaw until a drastic change in strategy resulted in the governor labeling the journalist a hacker while threatening both a lawsuit and prosecution. <laughs> governor, uh, Missouri Governor Mike Parson called Renaud a hacker and said the newspaper's reporting was nothing more than a political vendetta and an attempt to embarrass the state and sell headlines for their news outlet. 
The Republican governor said further that his administration has notified the Cole County prosecutor of this matter, that the Missouri State Highway Patrol's digital forensic unit would investigate all of those involved, and that state law allows us to bring a civil suit to recover damages against all those involved. But only two days earlier, a government spokesperson was preparing a quote to publicly thank the journalist, as the Post-Dispatch reported today. In an October 12th email to officials in Governor Mike Parson's office, Mallory McGowan, spokeswoman for DESE, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, sent proposed statements for a press release announcing the data of vulnerability the newspaper uncovered. Quote, we are grateful to the member of the media who brought this to the state's attention, said a proposed quote from Education Commissioner Margie Van Dieven. The Parson administration and DESE did not end up using that quote. The next day, on October 13th, the Office of Administration issued a news release calling the Post-Dispatch journalist a hacker. And on October 14th, Parson held a news conference to rail against the Post-Dispatch and announce a criminal investigation by the Missouri uh, State Highway Patrol. We will not let this crime against Missouri teachers go unpunished, Parson said at the news conference, and we refuse to let them be a pawn in the news outlet's political vendetta. Not only are we going to hold this individual accountable, but we will also be holding accountable all those who aided this individual and the media corporation that employs them. That'll happen even as a Federal Bureau of Investigation official apparently told the state that the journalist was not a hacker. The Post-Dispatch reported. Meanwhile, at 3.24 p.m. on October 13th, Angie Robinson, cybersecurity specialist for the state, emailed Department of Public Safety Director Sandra Karsten to inform her that she had forwarded emails from the Post-Dispatch to Kyle Storm with the FBI in St. Louis. Quote, Kyle informed me that after reading the emails from the reporter that this incident is not an actual network intrusion, she said. Instead, she wrote, the FBI agent said the state's database was misconfigured, which allowed open source tools to be used to query data that should not be public. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so officials were informed about a problem with one of their government websites and then prepared a thank you statement because they should have been thanking the outlet for finding out about it and letting them know before it ruined people's privacy. But instead, the big old governor of Missouri decided to pivot into this being a terrible hack and that they would be trying to press charges, all while the actual FBI insisted that that was not the case at all. Just Incredible work from Governor Parsons. What what really gets me, uh, especially, is I just love the way that he postures as if he's protecting teachers and like, how could you do this? To Not, our to teachers. our teachers who we pay really, really like. I I don't know how well teachers in Missouri. I are would paid, assume in I'm, Missouri. I'm uh, guessing uh, fucking terribly. Yeah. So um, yeah, like the government, they no appreciation for educators until it's time to use them as like to score uh, points in stupid And that's like not this. a direct jab at Missouri because teachers are paid poorly everywhere. Yes, uh, yes, that's, uh, that's yeah. true. Um, teachers the or most, at least not as much as they should be Public school teachers are the most underappreciated career uh, in the country, I would say. Yes. And and there's a long list of, of jobs that would fall into that category, but I, I would put teachers at number one. Yes. What's the teacher's color on the flag? Teachers, the, YouTubers, yeah. and then the rest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, anyways, let's move over to gaming news. What's up, gamers? Yeah, we're always praising the Xbox Game Pass because, well, it's probably one of the best deals in gaming. Uh, you pay an arguably low monthly fee and get access to a lot of really great games, including brand new releases that are made in partnership with Microsoft. Well, typically when something like this becomes extremely popular within its industry, other companies are going to make their own versions of it. MoviePass kicked down the door to theater subscription services, which has resulted in AMC and Regal and others offering products that allow you to see films at a bargain if you use it properly. I mean, you could 
be paying and not go to a movie, but that'd be a waste of money. Yeah. If you see one or two movies a month, you're getting your money's worth. Much like Game Pass. You play one game a month, yeah. you're probably getting your money's worth on it. Now, Xbox definitely isn't the first to launch a game subscription service, but it is arguably the most successful. It looks like Sony finally wants to get a little bit of taste of that success because it appears as though they're going to be launching their own service that is pretty much the exact same thing. Oh my gosh, who could have predicted this? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, God, Sony's services with with PlayStation, it's it gets a little confusing. They've got yeah. PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. Those are both things, but they're not quite the same, not as good or as useful as Game Pass. So this scoop comes from games journalist Jason Schreier, writing for Bloomberg, who says, the service, codenamed Spartacus, will allow PlayStation owners to pay a monthly fee for access to a catalog of modern and classic games, said the people who asked not to be identified because they weren't authorized to speak to the press about the plans. The offering will likely be available on the smash hit PlayStation 4, which has sold more than 116 million units, and its elusive successor, <laughs> the PlayStation 5, which launched more than a year ago, but is still difficult to buy due to supply chain issues. When it launches, expected in the spring, the service will merge Sony's two existing subscription plans, PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. Currently, PlayStation Plus is required for most online multiplayer games and offers free monthly titles, while PlayStation Now allows users to stream or download older games. Documents reviewed by Bloomberg suggest that Sony plans to retain the PlayStation Plus branding, but phase out PlayStation Now. Um... Uh, it was a couple of years ago, but I played. Uh, I had PlayStation Now for like a month or two, and it played so poorly that I refused to use it ever again because yeah. it was streaming. It was yeah. like game streaming. The latency, I think I, I tried it once, and it was just like, well, that's fucking unplayable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure right, it's well. better now, or it will be whenever they launch this new thing. But it's, it's, it's the same thing as Xbox Game Pass, and if they do actual first-party new releases day of, then it'll be beneficial because... Sony PlayStation has great fucking games. They do. Uh, and they are starting... To, so the reason I would not be interested in this is because I mostly play on PC. And mm -hmm. Game Pass... Works seamlessly. I yeah, I, yeah. I get my money's worth on that without ever booting up an Xbox. Yes. Whereas Sony, they've started in recent years to like understand that it's probably a good idea for them to port their games to PC like after a certain window of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're starting to do that, which is good. Uh, so hopefully that becomes more of this uh, well, like part the, of this new PlayStation I'm sure Plus they'll thing. do like a mobile streaming or, or you know the same type of thing with PlayStation Now as you can stream it but like that's the thing with like Xbox Game Pass now you could just get a controller adapter for your phone and play Xbox games wherever you want yeah it's pretty wild yeah we're living in the future as far as gaming is concerned and some games a lot of games are uh, getting worse and that brings us to our next topic the beatdown of Battlefield 2042. It, Ew, you hate to see it. It continues. As the game has reportedly lost 70% of its player base in just two weeks. Holy fucking shit. That is a lot. And it's been, what, like three years since Battlefield... Probably two years. V came out? Or Battlefield 5? Yeah, that's... Uh, Battlefield wow. 1? I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah. But it's been a little while. Uh, here's Paul Tassi with Forbes. In just under two weeks since launch, Battlefield has lost 70% of its players on Steam, going from a peak of around 100,000, which isn't even that high at all no, for a game like this, a new release. to 30,000 as of its peak yesterday. Oof. It's only outperforming Battlefield V by 10,000 players or so at the moment, and being beaten by the likes of Farming Simulator 22, Payday 2, and Red Dead Redemption 2. 
The concern is that if Battlefield 2042 continues this trend and its player base shrinks unsustainably, that not only affects things like matchmaking, but some worry EA will offer less support for it in the future. And this is a, frankly, bizarre conversation to be having just two weeks after a game like this is launched. And that everyone is very justified in being uh, worried about continued support for this game because look what happened with Anthem. Yeah. And the Anthem's like, we're going to adjust the roadmap a bit. Oh, uh, game's canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. In addition to that, people online are losing their goddamn minds because EA was about to introduce a Santa Claus skin to their war game, and apparently the backlash was so intense that the company has already agreed to remove it entirely. Uh, okay, here's PC Did you, Have you seen the picture of this? No. Dude, hunky, oh. ripped, military Santa, ready to just tear apart anyone in Battlefield 2042. Yeah, oh, the, the police in Colorado give Santa a gun and everyone laughs, but EA tries to give Santa a gun and everyone gets mad. It's, it's actually good that there's consistency in everyone getting mad at both of these things. <laughs> Universally, people don't want Santa to have a gun. Yeah, I, I prefer Santa to be a pacifist. Yeah. But here's PC Gamer. Battlefield 2042 has had a rough reception. Disappointment over design changes and technical issues have led to reams of negative player reviews. Amid all that, a leak yesterday revealed a Santa Claus skin that was planned for the game's next big update, and it didn't go down well. Now it seems that Santa Claus is no longer coming to town, with <laughs> DICE saying that it has no plans to utilize all the skins this holiday. Some players weren't happy with one of the more upvoted comments on Reddit encapsulating the feeling in the community. DICE expects me to be able to take the game seriously with literal Santa Claus running around shooting people in what's supposed to be a world where billions are displaced, natural disasters are destroying the planet, and there's about to be a massive world proxy war, and we're supposed to take all that into account with Santa fucking Claus running around on the battlefield? Holy identity crisis. <laughs> a lot of the comments, too, are just like, why would anyone buy this? You're just running around with a big red target. You're just like, everyone else is like, as yeah. far as the environment's concerned, the colors are muted because... That's war. You're yeah. supposed to blend into your environment to not stick out and get fucking shot. Meanwhile, you have like this dude with a giant white beard and a red coat, just like big hitbox. Yeah, it's a huge hitbox. Santa's thick. Yeah, dummy thick. But uh, anyways, that's it for this week's episode of News Dump. We'll be back, of course, with a new episode of Weekly Weird News coming up soon. If for some reason you've missed our uh, two most recent episodes, we have a new episode of Tech News Day where we just go on just a, a nice rant about Jack Dorsey leaving Twitter. And in memoriam... R.I.P. to a real one. Yeah. He's he, not uh, dead, but... Yeah, no, he's... But, you know... He was the he one... He will be missed. You, you, you usually say this about politicians, but Jack Dorsey was the one tech CEO that would, I would like to have a beer with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or whatever he feels like ingesting. And then if you want uh, more on the people being trapped inside of a pub and other stories from earlier in this week, check both of those out. They're over here right now. Check those out and subscribe to the channel. Leave a like, a comment. And uh, uh, get a membership if you want. Yeah, memberships sure. are back. Memberships are back. Sorry, they were down briefly, but... Uh, They're back. If you want to burn $5, click the yeah. membership button, the join button, and send us some money. Okay, now the videos are here. Become a member. Bye. Bye.